0: This car just pulled up behind me while I was up just kind of between a bush and a telephone pole.
1: Episode 252 of the Flagship Podcast, this is 20 Minute Tims, I'm your host Jamie and I am joined by Melly. Yes, and Stephen. What's happening, guys? Nothing. Nothing is happening. <laughs> Celtic Celtic sacked their manager over a month ago and the hunt continues. The hunt goes on, Stephen. Are you at all maybe slightly concerned about the lack of action here yet?
0: Uh no. Um I'm not overly concerned about the lack of action. I'm concerned about the type of action that's going on in the, mm. the media, and we'll get into that. But we're we come to you in the middle of an international break. It's a bit of a strange time for us. This afternoon, we've had the board games out. We were all playing Mousetrap a minute ago. It's a kind of dress <laughs> down Friday. So we thought we'd just turn the mics on and do a podcast as well. It's weird to be sitting here, just no actual football to talk about. But even then, there's still tunnels to get through. But yes. to answer your question, it's not the lack of action that's gripping me. It's the... It's the stories, it's the ramping up of certain rumours that we've had to put up in the last few days that's had me ever so unnerved.
2: Mellie? Hey, the same as Stephen. It's the the rumours that are getting to me, I think. I, I wouldn't expect to see a manager appointed down come in now. I think it will be at the end of the season, probably after the cup final. But rumours recently about Roy Keane and even Simon Donnelly on Sky Sports today saying it would well, be brilliant uh-huh. if Roy Keane... Like, that's just crazy. No... No right-minded Celtic fan wants Roy Keane in right now. It wouldn't make sense to him then. These are the sort of people that are holding the club back, the people that maybe the board listen to and think this is a good idea. I really hope they're not in any way trying to think this is a good idea because it's simply not. Nobody, no Celtic fan wants a battle between Stephen Gerrard and Roy Keane. They want a good manager and
1: there's two types of people, Stephen, that want Roy Keane as Celtic manager. One of those people are Celtic fans who don't pay into games. So if you perhaps live in Italy and you used to run the SPL or you're an ex-player interviewed by Sky Sports, um, you want Roy Keane as a Celtic job because supporting Celtic is just entertainment to you. That's all it is. And this will be box office and all that sort of stuff. The second type of person that I feel wants Roy Keane as a Celtic manager are men with a real hankering for the past. Men who live maybe in the times of the 90s where football managers punched people and smoked (laughs) cigarettes and shouted in people's faces and the pre-match meal was steak and chips. Um, Those are the only two people I see online that want Roy Keane as Celtic manager. This hasn't stopped though his name becoming, um, well, he's pretty much favourite for the Celtic job but he has been the last couple of days, you know. Folks, we, we don't pay attention to what happens in the bookies. That's an absolute nonsense. But in terms of the person who's been spoken about most, Stephen, it is Roy Keane. It's, I'm presuming it's a no from you as well.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I think we we even started to talk a wee bit about this last week, but it seems to have ramped up in the intervening days or the in the days in between. So... Yeah, we're we're kind of forced to talk about it again because for a while there it looked as if, oh God, this this looks like a done deal. Nothing really happens like this without some fire being behind all the smoke. So especially when Stephen McGowan started talking about it in the Daily Mail, I thought, oh goodness me, this is is my worst nightmare. I mean, it's it's a difficult one because nothing against Roy Keane, I think the last time we spoke about it, last time we, we recorded the flagship was, I said, look, he's one of my football heroes, but I cannot draw the straight line between that and being the Celtic manager in this day and age 10 years on from his last job and I know he's been in and around football but he spent the majority of that either A in the Sky Studio or B working under fellow yesterday's man Martin O'Neill I don't yeah. want to insult these guys but to talk about them taking the management job in 2021 not only that but at this time at this very specific time for Celtic when we are needing a complete reshake from top to bottom like, I don't think a reshake is a word but but shaking up no. Half reshape, half shaken up. So yeah, <laughs> somewhere in between those two things. Because there wasn't an initial shake. No, so no, to no, have no. A reshake. Was... Correct.
1: This, that would mean that a first shake had taken place, and that hasn't happened. A
0: second shakening, Yes, correct. So yeah. we don't need a reshake at all. We need a reshape and a shake. So at this very specific time when we're talking about progress and taking the opportunity to modernise the club, the idea that Roy Keane would be anywhere near that conversation is baffling to me.
1: The good thing about it is, for my point of view, if Celtic need a manager, if Roy Keane was going to be Celtic manager, there's no reason why he wouldn't be a Celtic manager already. Because yeah. he's sitting about doing nothing. He's he's made it abundantly clear he wants to be Celtic manager. His people have made it clear with all these leaks into the press and all that. Um, there's nothing stopping Celtic appointing Roy Keane as Celtic manager. And you could perhaps say they want to speak to four or five candidates um, before making their mind up. But I just feel that if, if Roy Keane was the guy for the job and this is the thing I'm consoling myself with, if Roy Keane was the man for the job and the, the people making the decision, then, he, then they would have they would have appointed him. Um, Dermot Desmond, you know, there are questions starting to emerge from our podcast and from other places about what's going on. Dermot Desmond gave an interview, I'm um, using Neil Lennon air quotes there, <laughs> he gave an interview, the softest of <laughs> softball interviews to the Celtic website, where he, he sort of, he, he tried to settle a couple of scores, some of it, was a bit mind-boggling to me. He was asked, when can we expect the appointment of the manager? Um, he, he just says the process is underway and they're playing their cards close to their chest and they'll make an announcement publicly. He asked who's in charge of the process. He says the chairman and Bank here, Peter Lall and himself, take the lead in the process and the incoming CEO will also participate in any decisions. And that's absolutely fine. He was asked, can you give us the idea of the type of candidate you're looking for? He basically said no comment. Which was bizarre to me. Why you wouldn't just delete that question out of the <laughs> out of the uh, web page after you put it up? He, he basically says, "I don't think it would be an, I don't think it would be appropriate to make a comment on what signed and what type of manager they're looking for." One thing that struck me you now, there's two parts to this. He goes on to talk about how the season went on and all that sort of stuff. On the manager, though, Melly, what interested me there was there was no mention at all of director of football.
2: No, no mention of director of football, and he did specifically say manager, didn't he? And yeah. even the questions had the word manager in it, which is quite worrying to be honest. I think, as Stephen's already said, we need a restructure here with Celtic. If, if Celtic to were to bring in a manager, whoever that may be, it doesn't. It, it might be a good manager, but what happens in two years when they go, if they leave or have to be sacked? Where do we go from there? We'll just be stuck in the same position we are right now with Neil Lennon, where we don't know what we're doing next. The thing about Neil Lennon and Roy Keane coming in as managers is, look, these guys coming in, yes, they might do okay for a bit, but nobody's going to want them. So at some point you're going to need to sack them because they don't, they're do not they not guys that people are going to want to go, well, he's done well at Celtic, let's go out and get them. They're done down in England. So if Celtic are going to go down this manager route, I, I don't really understand it because we need to be a team that's ready for succession and we're never that. That's why we're in this mess just now when... Neil Lennon was thought about getting replaced in November. The first thing we done was go to Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan. We cannot have that anymore. And then now to think if it's... I don't think it will be, but to think if they want a manager like Roy Keane coming in. If Roy Keane's coming in, he's going to need all the help he can get, and that includes a director of football, because his record at Sunderland, where he signed a ridiculous amount of players he's played played with, it just wouldn't make sense. And I really worry that the club aren't going to move towards a director of football, it would be a crazy decision to make for me because I think we need it. We need to be a modern
0: football club. Mel, you've hit upon something there that hadn't really occurred to me previously. Where, where are these guys going to go after Celtic? Because when mm-hmm. Celtic appointed Brendan Rodgers, the danger was always, always, that he was going to leave for yeah. so-called bigger and better things, go back to the the riches of the Premier League and all that. And that was always the danger hanging over us at, at all times. If he's successful, that's where he's going to go. But I'd rather live with that threat. I'd rather live with that peril that the manager's going to go and find something better because he's been so successful at Celtic, he's going to be sort of headhunted by someone else, than have a guy who has no prospects of going anywhere at all. Roy Keane is never going to go and manage Arsenal or Man United or anything no. like that. So that I hadn't previously occurred to me just how much of a dead end that would be.
1: Are you, Stephen, worried about the lack of chat about director of football in this interview from Dermot Desmond?
0: I understand the need to not just go spewing everything, out there in an interview when really there's no information to be dealt. The whole thing, I'll be honest here, the whole thing seemed like an opportunity to, one, say, I'm a pure Selic daft, like a pure Selic daft board member, like majority shareholder and all that, and two, to have a go at Brian Dempsey for questioning the running of the club. That's all it seemed like, and the rest of it was all just total flannel. As you say. there are a number of questions in there that seemed like they could have just been deleted. It was like that that old thing from Father Ted when he's giving some sort of speech and he's like just flicking over his page I know, I know for the liars and he just starts having a go at everybody it was kind of like that the director of football I didn't fully expect that to come out because I've got the impression from Celtic over the last months or however long now that if they want to go down that route, they don't necessarily want to admit it in public just yet because it would be kind mm. of an admission of failure of the last season. And Lord knows Maybe, they've, yeah. they've been avoiding that as much as possible. There was a mention in that interview to making the wrong calls as a board. Didn't go into further detail, but I think we can all probably speculate on what those are. But there has never been any admission from them that a restructure is needed. And mentioning directors of football would be seized upon, not necessarily in a negative way. I think we're all looking for that. That would be a a sign of progress for us. But I don't know if they're necessarily want to or all that keen on showing their hand just yet. It just seems like a pointless interview to me, if if I'm totally honest.
1: Yes, decision-making in football is not an exact science and I accept without qualification that we have made some wrong calls. Mm. I would be interested to know what he thought those wrong calls were. Um, We will endeavour to learn from those. I know the the interview ended with him saying... um, What your hopes from next season Again that we recruit a manager That plays football The way that all Celtic supporters want And we give the manager time To implement their own plans After that I am sure much more successful Follow A really vague interview Mm. With absolutely no content whatsoever I was speaking to someone During the week there Who was saying that The Celtic The Celtic are playing things Very close to their chest Usually there's whispers Leaks And there's none of that Coming out from Celtic at the moment They said that This is what this person's thinking, not mine. They says that the rumours and the search for a director of football was, a couple of months ago, was ferocious. It was a buzz all over the world of football. People were talking about Celtic looking for a director of football. And in the last couple of weeks, that has went quiet. There is almost no chat whatsoever of Celtic appointing or anyone moving to Celtic as director of football now. So the jungle drums on that front aren't beaten. That person posited the idea that perhaps Celtic have decided on a manager and either that manager doesn't want to work under a director of football or that manager wants to bring in his own man or have a say in who would be the director of football would you be comfortable guys with a manager coming in say it was Eddie Howe and Eddie Howe says look I don't want to work under a director of football I want to work with a chief executive a scouting department me and my coaches that's the I want a more traditional model would you accept that under the right manager or do you think we really need to have a look at how the club is run long term and make sure these changes are implemented now
2: I say long term I think it's the best way because if the manager doesn't work out then what happens then you have to get rid of everybody from top down and start all over again whereas if you have a director of football and who brings in a manager they're sort of planning for if, when he does leave and then somebody else can come in to have can, a what, ma- can
1: I give you an idea though can I just play devil's advocate I don't want another Melly and Jamie <laughs> the argument from last week that everyone was talking <laughs> you about lost I, that one I, I saw the poll you won you know what It's Lance funny Stephen You can be in a room With a hundred people And 99 of them Can still be wrong And one person can be right That's what I'm saying That's 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 all I'm saying Lanslide Melly Let me put this to you <laughs> Lanslide Let me put this to you though Celtic bring in The director of football he points a manager The structure is Pucker The structure is what Everyone wants Next season we don't win The league for whatever reason The season after that We don't win the league are you trying to tell me that seriously people are not going to start taking sight of this director of football as well? Is the director of football's job really any safer than the manager's should Celtic not return to winning ways? Because I can see a situation where people go, that director of is not good, he hired a manager, he needs to go as well. well
0: that will we definitely happen. That will 100% happen. We will, the, the Celtic fans, I don't know if it's just Celtic fans, you know, because I'm, I'm close it's to this. Football fans, yeah, it's, they're always looking for someone to blame. Of course, we're more, we're more familiar with Celtic fans, of course, that's what we pay attention to, but it's, we're not good at that immediately when results start going the wrong way we start looking around at everybody what's his job is he's a defensive coach what's he doing Mm. All, all that kind of stuff immediately comes out and I've joked in the past about how how long it would take for Lee Congerton to get the blame for everything and sure enough that came as well so no doubt that if a director of football comes in ostensibly the first one we've had of those in a long time we've had something resembling that in the past but so much has been made of it this season there would be a big appointment as soon as results didn't go our way, that would be a big target.
2: Yeah, that, that's always going to happen. If yeah. you're not successful, you're going to look at the whole structure of the club. And of course, it has to be looked at. We can, What we've looked at under Brendan Rodgers, we we knew he was a good manager, but the signings that were coming in after a away were not good enough. So you're looking to the director of football or the head of football operations, whatever Lee Congerton is, the guys he's bringing in, they weren't good enough. It's going to be the same next season. Whoever comes in, if a director of football comes in, they'll be judged on what they do, not just what the manager does. You can tell, I suppose it's a wee bit different between the manager and head coach. You can see if they're doing things right, you can see it on the pitch where it's the style of play, changing things tactically and all that. But the director of football will be probably judged on signings and that's his job, so that'll be fair enough. So yes, it's no guarantee that if you bring in a director of football first and then a head coach or a manager with a director of football, they're all going to get judged on their merits.
1: I mentioned Eddie Howe there just to give an example, but he's another guy who, uh, I've got to say, I'm getting more and more curious about these Eddie Howe links. One, they're not going away. That, I, 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 whilst I appreciate that doesn't mean much. He's also not, a, he's not in a job yet. Now, it's, it seems curious to me that someone of Eddie Howe's stature, he won't be short of offers. You know, teams looking to move their manager on, people start putting out the feelers and, and things like that. Eddie Howe's not really been taken up by MD, nobody's moved a manager on with a view to getting Eddie Howe in. I, I, based on absolutely nothing at all, I think that there's maybe, I'd be very surprised if Celtic haven't at least spoken to Eddie Howe's representatives. Yeah. Is he
2: still the top pick for you, Melly? Yeah, he's still the top pick. Somebody actually messaged me the other day saying we have spoken to him, but, he's been decent in the past so i take that as on board but I'd like to think so it'd be crazy for Celtic not to go out and speak to a guy like Eddie Howe if he is available I think mm, he'd be my number one choice I think he's he's the ideal fit for Celtic and he's the guy that's sort of, sort of been there and done it he's he sort of moulded Bournemouth in his own image he got built them up from the very bottom right up to the top made them a more modern team, so I think he could do that with Celtic as well, working with other people, and he's worked under a director of football before, and mainly, the main thing is with him, he plays an attacking style of football, and that's exactly what you want to see at Celtic.
1: Stephen, what's the most important characteristic for you for the next Celtic manager? Is it the style of football he plays? Is that of key importance to you? Celtic minded Celtic minded Ah, mate. Apart from that, though,
0: second of all is... (laughs) Yeah, I think style of play is always going to be important, and I think that's what puts off a lot of people with certain candidates. I mean, namely, Steve Clark. I think that's the biggest concern yeah. over him. He's—I'm not saying that he's incapable of playing attacking football because he's never really been at a club that would, you know, facilitate or necessarily kind of allow for that that style. You're not going to go into a club like West Brom or Kilmarnock and just start playing like Barcelona 2011 style football. That's fanciful. I wouldn't say he's incapable of it, but we've just never seen it from him. We've never really seen anything else from from Steve Clark, but it is a big concern over a lot of people. In fact, it's probably the only concern over Steve Clark is the the style of play he would probably bring to Celtic. So it is an important factor, of course it is, but there are a, a, a number of other things, namely a few things that Melly's just said, such as modernising the club, the ability to develop players, an eye for a player, and all that kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> you need to know the city, mate. <laughs> Eddie Howe has wasted some money on strikers. It's kind of like the Chris Wilder argument, or the Chris Wilder thing we said last week, that he has wasted some money down there, but it's a very difficult market they're shopping in, a team like Bournemouth and Sheffield United as well, because yes, you might have spent £20 million or whatever it was on Dominic Solanke and it didn't work out, but the only reason they're as expensive as they are is because Liverpool don't need Seven million yeah. that Dominic Solanke would normally have been for to get them to the table, they need to offer something stupid, and Dominic Solanke end up costing twenty million pound. It's an inflated market down there. Not only that, it's a sellers' market. Clubs don't have to sell really for any reason, so you need to turn their heads with crazy bids, and that's what Bournemouth have ended up being lured into, just like everyone else does in England. So I'm not concerned about the the transfer record because they brought in a lot of good players as well, like Nathan Ake and a number yeah. of others. So <laughs> anyhow it's probably the guy to me who ticks the most boxes of anyone who's been shouted. I don't know if it's realistic because Eddie Howe, as you said, Jimmy, a guy like withstanding of, of that level, he will be an attractive appointment yeah. for I mean, a number of clubs.
1: Newcastle is the other name i are about yeah, yeah. sniffing about Eddie Howe, apparently. So, you know, that's that's a difficult one for Celtic in my view because big name Premier League club if it's a toss up between Celtic and Newcastle a guy like Eddie Howe for me with no affiliation to Celtic at all is going to take that Newcastle job in
0: not More than likely I know the only thing that puts people off Newcastle probably is the Mike Ashley factor but he's trying to mm. sell so there's every possibility that if you get in to a club like Newcastle and they're bought over then they could be a lot more successful than they've been for the last few years in the very near future so I know that's why Rafa Benitez wasn't keen on going back but it's been quieter in England in terms of managers moving around than I expected it to be. Maybe it's the, the quote, new normal. All that's been going yeah. on, TM and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's just an unusual season. The managers haven't been losing their job as readily as I would have expected. I would normally have expected Steve Bruce to have been sacked by now. There's talk of him replacing Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace. But do you really want yeah. to sack Roy Hodson in his last season in football, probably? So why would you do that to the old guy? So it has been... It has been a wee Surprises bit more... he's
1: not been shielding.
0: <laughs> it's, um, it's been a wee bit more stable in England than I, than I would have thought, or else Eddie Howe's name just might be off the table by now. Another name that came out last week. Now, look, every day
1: uh, we have a podcast and a Twitter account and all that is tweeting who you know who's going to be the next Celtic manager. We don't... I don't know. We don't... I'm going to say we don't know, unless one of you is sitting on it and you've not told me yet. <laughs> um, all the things that I've heard are Celtic are playing this in- incredibly close to their chest. And if you hear any rumours... In the press specifically about who's going to be the next Celtic manager, those are not coming from people connected with Celtic, those are coming from people connected with whichever manager's trying to make himself mm. known or make himself, uh, you know, get himself in the room with Dermot Desmond to have the chat. You mentioned Steve Clark there, Stephen. Steve Clark, obviously, manager of Scotland at the moment, Euros are coming up. Steve Clark, if he was going to be Celtic manager, obviously couldn't he take that to the Euros had been finished? I'm not particularly enamoured with Steve Clark either, but no. people will view him as a safe pair of hands. But for me, mainly, waiting until the Euros is done before Celtic get their new manager in it, again, it's just one of these stumbling blocks that I think Celtic shouldn't even really be considered. They shouldn't consider Steve Clark because I don't like the profile of manager that he is. I think he's he wouldn't be well suited to Celtic given the style of football he plays and all that sort of stuff. That being said, Steve Clark's obviously a talented football coach, a talented football manager. He can play more than one style of football. That's just a fact. He can play more than one style of football, I'm sure of it. But I wouldn't be keen for waiting till the Euros is done or waiting till he's finished with the Euros before he comes in and starts the job at Celtic.
2: No, there's certainly not enough time. I don't think, I think Martinez has been mentioned as well, but I don't see MD that's going to the Euros. I just can't see it because the qualifiers come so quickly after that that Celtic have got a lot to do this summer and we need need somebody that's going to come in probably 1st of June, ready then and come straight in and be there for pre-season training. Don't think Steve Clark will be there and it's not good enough. And watching the past two Scotland games over the last couple of days as well, it's the, the brand of football he plays is really, really poor. Now Scotland, yes, make them hard to beat, but Austria and Israel aren't that much better than Scotland and to not go and attack those two teams is pretty poor in my opinion. So I think Steve Clark's he's put me off him after watching the, the last two Scotland games as well.
1: A name that I heard of another guy that was interested in the Selic job was not Roberto Martinez um, but Sean Maloney Mm. and and that's Sean Maloney as a manager in his own right Um, he's trying to break away become a manager he fancies himself as good enough for the Celtic job is what I heard he was obviously a coach we've got a Patreon interview with Sean
2: Maloney when he was a coach.
1: Mealy what level of coach was he can you remember when we conducted that interview?
2: He was the under 23's assistant manager because mm. him and Damien Duff both got big uh, big jobs off the back of that. Damien Duff got obviously brought up with Lennon and then Maloney went on to Belgium.
1: He was, he was highly respected as Celtic as a coach. Again, not one I'm particularly keen on, Stephen. In fact, I'd go so far as to say if you're going to give Sean Maloney the Celtic job, you might as well give it to John Kennedy.
0: Yeah, there's probably an argument for that. The Sean Maloney thing I would be up for if it was part of the oft-mentioned new structure. I think that would be absolutely mm. fine as if we've got the backing in place for a guy like Sean Maloney who has, you know, he's kind of put the rounds in with Celtic. He has been at almost every level imaginable with Celtic as a player and as a coach and he's managing, or he's coaching rather at the highest imaginable level just now. I think that would be fine if he was coming in as a first-team coach with a director of football behind him and, you know, we get two or three years out of him, hopefully he's successful, move him on and then comes the next guy if he's got aspirations beyond Celtic then great I would be fine with that I don't know if I'd necessarily buy buy into him as a manager in his own right because I don't know if he's really well he definitely hasn't done that just as yet but I think as a personality he seems suited to it I was really impressed with Sean Maloney when we all met him that day where we had an interview with him so I think he's suited to it at some point whether it's now I don't know whether his stock is as high as it's ever going to get with him being connected to that Belgium job as the number one team in the world, arguably. But I would maybe like to see Sean Maloney be a club coach first because I don't trust that transition from international football to club. I'm always wary of that. Like they
1: can't celtic can't miss about we can't be taking chances we've got a celtic are a, an attractive proposition celtic have got money celtic are potentially heading into the champions league there's a there's a really good job here for a really good manager to come in you're going to have money to spend because we need to buy players hmm. you're going to have almost a unique opportunity to take a club the size of celtic and mold it in your image yeah. that that's almost unique because the amount of players you're going to have to buy you can play whatever style of football you want, as long as it's attractive and winning. You can get whatever players you want. You're going to be able to buy yourself almost a whole start and a living of players. You've got some quality players already at the club. This is a really, really unique challenge. And I hope the Celtic board, I'm sure they do, but I hope they appreciate what... I mean, I, I've said it before, I'm not going to bang this drum again, but we shouldn't simply be looking at out-of-work managers or guys looking for their first managerial job. We should be able to go down to the English Championship, the English Premiership, some of the top five leagues in Europe, if we wanted to, and poach a manager from a middling club and say, here, how about this for an offer? Come to Celtic, 30, 40, 50 million to spend. The most any managers had to spend in 20 years. year that we're going to hand you over. Champions League football, opportunity to work with director of football, opportunity to have a say in who the director of football is going to be, opportunity to buy your own starting 11, Opportunity play in front of sixty thousand—all the stuff that Celtic can offer—it's a massive job for somebody. And I really, really hope that we take our time and get the right guy. But at the same, on the same note, I don't want us to faff about for months and months and months and take our eye off the ball again because there is so much to be done. It's—it's a key appointment. It's a very important time for Celtic.
0: Ready to pop the question?
1: This season, things have gone badly wrong at Celtic. The manager's departed following a disastrous campaign. The chief executive has announced that he's standing down and handing over the reins to a new incoming CEO. The first team, led by an ageing captain, looked to have many key players on their way out of the club. There's no doubt that the next couple of months are going to see a lot of upheaval at Celtic. You might even call it a rebuild, and that's going to affect the boardroom to the matchday squad. Over the next few weeks and months, we'll be producing a series of feature podcasts that we're calling project Rebuild. These will include professional scouting of all the positions that we think Celtic need to fill next season, establishing transfer targets and reporting back on the strengths and weaknesses of each of those targets. We're also going to interview industry professionals within football operations to shine a light on how Celtic need to move forward. We'll be discussing key roles such as director of football and talking to people within the industry about what that role looks like and how it should be applied to our club. We're going to talk to sports psychologists to understand how the players can bounce back next season and look to see what might have affected their performance this season in the season of COVID. With a new head coach coming in, we'll be looking at all the candidates as they emerge from both an analytics perspective and a local knowledge perspective, picking up with local journalists, podcasters and bloggers familiar with the candidates to tell you guys what we can expect. Project Rebuild will be exclusively available on Patreon, along with all of our regularly scheduled content. It's going to be a huge summer for Celtic, and we are going to be there to cover it all. Project Rebuild kicks off this weekend with a profile piece on incoming CEO Dominic Mackay, from someone who's worked with him for over 10 years. Head on over to patreon.com slash 20 Tim's and sign up to the travel tier or above to enjoy these special feature podcasts that we are calling Project Rebuild. You heard there about Project Rebuild, an exciting project that we've got going on on Patreon. It's on the Treble and All-In tiers. So as part of it, we're going to be looking at all the managerial candidates from an analytics point of view and from a local knowledge point of view. We've already had Enzo Maresca. We've had a look at his analytics. Melly did that podcast with the fantastic Ross Goodwin behind the Boys Analytics Twitter account. Next up is Eddie Howe, where we'll be looking at the analytics behind Eddie Howe's managerial profile. So check that out over on Patreon. The big news, obviously, from Celtic this week, though... Is that Scott Brown announced that he's joining Aberdeen as a player coach at the end of the season? He was offered a one-year deal by Celtic to stay on next season. There's been a lot of talk about how S- Scott Brown should maybe stay on to assist the transition in this period of upheaval at Celtic. Um, let's talk about that first of all before we go into Scott's career. Stephen, do you think there's any merit, and do you think there would be, would have been any merit rather in keeping Scott Brown on? I
0: understand it. I understand the the. Need to do something like that Or the perceived need to do it But I just don't know I, th- I think I think it's the right time Now we'll talk about Scott Brown's career Because the, the, the two things can exist Side by side You can talk about how much of a legend he is And how successful he's been With also an eye on the idea That it's probably just time to do it This Aberdeen thing Is not an abandonment of Celtic to, Towards Scott Brown It's a good opportunity for him I would be totally against Offering Scott Brown a two year contract at this stage of his career, totally against it. Mm. Celtic can't do that. Aberdeen have, and that's a great opportunity for him to, one, take the next step in his career, and two, prolong his career a wee bit. And that's probably what what he wants to do. So I understand the, I wouldn't like to call it panic, but there has been a little bit of that. There's been a little bit of kind of running around thinking, oh, what are we going to do? Scott Brown's leaving. I I do understand it, but what I would say with that is it has to come at some point. It has to come. So whether it's now or in a year's time, Scott Brown is going to have to be replaced. So I don't I don't think it's all that urgent that we kept hold of Scott Brown to transition into the next manager. I don't think... I think Celtic will be fine. I'm less pessimistic about it than other people seem to be. I think there's a lot of turning to Scott Brown as if he's the only thing holding the club up. Even if he is, Celtic need to move past that. Celtic need to kind of totally change that. They need to stop being a club that's held up by three guys and it's Peter Lawwell, Neil Lennon and Scott Brown. So I think I'm okay with it, to be honest, with with Scott Brown leaving. I was surprised that it has been announced because I expected them to take another year on, but I look at that as a good opportunity for both Celtic and for Scott Brown to move on. I've got, I've
1: got to say, I, I kind of feel like there's two Scott Browns. There's Scott Brown, the player, right? There's Scott Brown, the spreadsheet that we've all been swamped with this season about Scott Brown's contribution on the pitch and whether or not that's good enough for where it should be comparing let me like minded players in the league and like positioned players in Europe and the sort of players Celtic goodbye and yeah 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 and I don't think there's any doubt that Scott Brown's contribution on the pitch this season hasn't been it hasn't been great. Um n- nobody's contribution on the pitch has been great for Celtic this season, but I take the point on about Scott Brown and his age based decline and all the rest of it. But there's two sides to Scott Brown's game. There's that and then there's Scott Brown who Knows what it takes to be a winner, Scott Brown, who sets the standards at Celtic. Now that doesn't—you don't setting the standards doesn't always mean you're the best player on the pitch. You no. know, some people, are like, oh well, how can he possibly set standards? He's the he's been terrible in midfield this season, and he should have scored fifteen goals instead of six, and blah blah blah. But he sets the standards at training. He knows what it takes to be. He's been at Celtic an awful long time. He has won almost everything there is to win as a, as a Celtic captain. He is a, a strong competitor mentally he's obviously a very high operator as far as effort and work rate and output goes he is a very useful person to have about the dressing room and i think he is going to be an extraordinarily difficult player to replace because we spoke about it last week about the profile player we've got at this team and i think that that is the probably the key player profile we need to look at recruiting next season is no just Scott Brown, the midfielder, defensive midfielder, combative midfielder type player on the pitch. But we need to go out and we need to sign somebody who knows what it takes, who's been around the block, who's an old, experienced head, who can bring proper standards to this club. Because one thing that we've all bemoaned, Melly, over the past couple of months is this quote, dropping in standards. When Neil Lennon came, the standards dropped. Well, Scott Brown set standards for himself. Scott Brown was part of these extremely high standards for a very long time at Celtic. And we're losing another guy who knows where the bar lies when you're when you're a Celtic player. So, um, uh, I agree. Scott Brown probably needs to go. There's a degree of trepidation from me. Um, I would have Scott Brown on happily next season, playing a bit part. You know, being a fourth, fifth choice midfielder. You know, just as a backup. Um, certainly wouldn't want a first choice. But there is a degree of trepidation. I'm not doing certainly not doing any cartwheels that Scott Brown is leaving and joining
2: Aberdeen. No. No, it was was a strange one I I feel a bit like Stephen Where the whole time I thought Look, it's time for a clean break at Celtic Lennon's gone, Law's gone And maybe it's time for for Brown to move on But as soon as it was announced I was like, I feel Just want to (laughs) stop Brown, back, It really hit home how much a Celtic guy is But on the You
1: stumbled across the word legend there, Melly So Mm. we're obviously going to go on to this So I'm going to ask you Why did you stumble? You were about to say legend Did you stop yourself deliberately? Do you think he's a Celtic legend?
2: Oh, it was unintentional He's a oh, uh-huh. 100% Celtic legend Yep No Good. doubt about that In my mind or, I don't think there should be any doubt In these mind He's a Celtic legend One of the best I've seen But When you're talking about We need a, a leader that Somebody to replace him next season I'm, I'm not really sure on that I think Cal McGregor could do that And I know They're two mm. completely different players But We've all heard how Carl McGregor was a disciple of Rogers. He wanted the standards to be higher under Lennon. I think he could take it on. He's been at the club long enough. He's won enough trophies. He knows what it takes and all that. And when you look at major clubs, like Jamie, who's the Man City captain? I don't know. Who's the Man United captain? Who's the Liverpool captain? So it's Fernandinho's Man, Man, Man City's captain. Harry Maguire is Man United, and Jordan Henderson is Liverpool's. Yeah. Still, Scott Brown's a dying breed You don't get guys like that anymore it, it really doesn't exist And I think we need to move on from that as well Because Do you not think he, he's no, the mould of Jordan Henderson? Jordan Henderson's a bit of a, a Scott Brown type mould guy Yeah, but he's only He's grew into that because he's been there that long And he's be, because he's been the captain He was never that when he was younger Scott Brown grew into it as a molder. I think Carl McGregor could do that Now he's not going to be the same type of leader The Scott Brown, the player, will be fairly easy for Celtic to Replace if they go out and get a decent player, but the leader maybe not so much. But I don't know if you you need that as much anymore. I don't think there's many of them about I, in football and for Celtic I'd, to go really, out and get one of them.
1: Yeah, I'd I, dis, I disagree with that. See, do you think Celtic need a leader? Do you think we need somebody like
0: that? Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, every day every club needs leadership. But I think what Melly's saying makes sense. I think there are different types of leadership because the Man City example is a good one. Fernandinho is the the captain there he's quite similar to Scott Brown in that he's a 35-year-old combative midfielder who's kind of sunk back a wee bit in his position. But I think Man City are going to let him go at the end of this season as well. Prior to Fernandinho being the captain, and I know people are sick of these Man City comparisons, but it's quite an apt one in that they're the best team in England and that's what I want to be for Celtic. That's what yeah. Man City, like it or not, are kind of a lot of what I want Celtic to be at the moment. Prior to Fernandinho, it was David Silva. Their vice-captain this season is Kevin De Bruyne Sergio Aguero has been in there as well. None of them scream leader. None of them have got that heart in the can sleeve. Lead by example in your performances, yeah. can't you? Exactly. You can be a leader without it having a bust out of every pore of you, kind of like Scott Brown does. I'm not. I'm yeah. not saying this let, is let better this than the point Scott Brown not. version. What I'm saying is there are there are different types of leaders.
1: Yeah, but my my point to that would be if you look about these clubs whose captain is not necessarily the Scott Brown. They have other, I mean Man City are a really difficult example Because that's a team just absolutely oozing with quality In <laughs> yeah. every area of the pitch Operating on an entirely different level But these clubs have got these leaders dotted throughout the pitch so it doesn't always necessarily have to be the captain But if if we remember what we were talking about last week on the podcast like Celtic are a team of they're a, it's a, no, They've yeah. got a soft underbelly, this Celtic team So it's, what I'm saying is Say we have two leaders in the team and we and you call it Callum McGregor and you call it Scott Brown, right? And Craig Gordon might be one and Lustig might be one, but they're gone now. So there's two left. That's us, when we lose Scott Brown, we're losing 50% of that quality, which That's- normally wouldn't affect these other teams, but I think it's going to impact us more. I mean, I wouldn't be, it will never happen, but I would not be averse to Celtic going out, losing Scott Brown at the age of 35, 36 and go down at the Premier League and getting someday along the lines of like James Milner or something. Replacing replacing Scott Brown with an old head on wise shoulders that's been around the block that's played at a really high level, that sort of thing. An
0: There's old head on the, wise like knees with James Miller
1: an old <laughs> oh Yeah, well, aye. it was a bad example, but I'm trying to think of... I really wanted to say Scott Parker because I always liked him as he moved into his, lat- his latter years, but he's way... What, is he about 40 now? He's a manager. he's so. a <laughs> get, get, <laughs> so, get him in. Get him in. Stretch it out, Scotty boy. does a shift. It's a tough one for Scott Brown as
2: well because... Ideally, yes, you'd probably like him to stay on next year and then say, or then you'll go into coaching. But Scott Brown was sitting there with an offer from Celtic, which wasn't probably what he's wanting. And he's got this ideal offer from Aberdeen where he's going to be a player and have the chance to develop his coaching as well. So being selfish, I'd want Scott Brown to stay on next year, not play as much and then go into the coaching staff. But he can get that elsewhere straight away. So I can completely understand why he's left.
1: I see Shea Logan Scarpered. He signed a deal with Hearts. Is he gone. He's gone. <laughs> ah, yeah. he's, he's done a runner. Um, look, you, you said it, Melly Scott Brown's a Celtic legend. Full stop. No discussion. It, it, it's obviously the, the nature of these things. Everyone's going to have a, a say. But Scott Brown, to me, I love Scott Brown. Scott yeah. Brown was an incredible Celtic captain. One of the my fa- not always my favourite player, uh, admittedly. But certainly that he hit a crescendo when Brendan Rodgers came in of dominating domestic and, in, and European football at times, but dominating the domestic game like no one else I'd ever seen. Some of those Glasgow derbies and he loved it. He yeah. loved it. I, just watching these performances on the pitch against Aberdeen Hearts, Rangers, the swagger, he's getting chopped, he's getting up, he's putting the sunglasses on. He's. I mean, how many hun careers did he end? How many guys came into Rangers being the next big thing and Scott Brown just stuck them right in his pocket I'm looking at you, Joey Barton. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Graham Dorans, to name two. These were epic battles. These were f- battles for the ages. And Scott Brown came on top and he loved every minute of it. And I loved every minute of watching him, Stephen.
0: I'm looking at you. And I tried to think of a really comedic example from the Calcini era, but I struggled to call it Carlos Pena. That'll do. I'm looking, I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh,
1: bloody Carlos Pena.
0: <laughs> there's so many.
1: Lee, there's so many. That we striker that had the Joker tattoo in his hand was meant to be the next big <laughs> oh, Jason uh, Collins. Jason Cummings, Cum-Dog. Like, come dog, <laughs> guy. we come dog. I mean, obviously Scott Brown never single handedly saw these guys away, but he bossed that. And yeah. This absolute rubbish about, you know, at the end of the day, Scott Brown was still strutting about
0: this league at 35 year old playing for Celtic. Aye. See the the chat about this though, no, is there isn't a legend, right? There is no debate and that's not me doing the the typical Twitter thing of presenting my opinion as fact and just saying fact in capital letters at the mm-hmm. end. It's not a debate because history is in charge of these things. In ten, fifteen, twenty years' time, Scott Brown is still gonna be of the same level that he is just now. He's he's still gonna have all those trophies. It's not up to one Person or even one group or even across the the kind of course of the, the fans to decide who a legend is. The fact that Scott, Scott Brown is there and cannot be moved from his stature at Celtic now. That's that, I saw a, a debate going on the other day on Twitter. It was you know whether Paul McStay was a wee bit overrated or not because he was a cracking player but never made the the push to be like a like a top class player. I was, That's fine, you can have your opinions on that, but it still doesn't matter because Paul McStay is Paul McStay, and you're not going to change the opinion of of history on who Paul McStay is. So, Scott Brown is in that bracket now. Uh, It's not really necessarily about his talent as a player, we're not talking about him as being like Jimmy Johnson or even Paul McStay or any guys like that. But what he's done for the club can't be a race now, and it's up there with anyone. How good a
1: player was Scott Brown? Forget everything else. How good a footballer Mm. was Scott Brown, Melly?
2: I think I think there's two Scott Browns. There's a Scott Brown pre Brendan Rodgers, and there's a Scott Brown post Brendan Rogers, like mm, you said. He, yeah. He got I, that think three,
1: I think there's three Scott Browns. Four, there's pre Brendan Rogers.
2: There's
1: there's pre Brendan Rodgers, right? There's during Brendan Rodgers, and there's after Brendan
2: Rodgers. Mm. Yeah, and even even before, from when he first came to Celtic, he was seen as this box to box dynamic midfielder who was the next up and coming thing. Surprisingly didn't join Rangers after Derek Johnson categorically stated it, it would happen. Lovely stuff there. But when he joined that first season, he was sort of he didn't quite settle in well. There was uh, suspensions, there was wee bits of injury and he lost his place towards the end of that season and Barry Robson and Paul Hartley got Celtic over the line. So he's never been up till and maybe when Ronnie Dyler came in, he wasn't a number one choice in central midfield for Celtic. He was in and out, he had a good season. Because even under Mowbray, Celtic didn't win the league, and he still get players play of the year. And then he was made captain in January 2010. But even under like Neil Lennon, he played out in the right hand side a lot for Lennon in a midfield. Celtic had a lot of good central midfielders: Key, Kaya, and Yama. It wasn't until Diala where he sort of cemented his place in that midfield. And even pre-Diala, under Lennon, all that. He, he missed a lot of big games for Celtic. He missed a Barcelona game through injury. He missed Samaras Sunday through injury. So I always think he was inconsistent. He wasn't considered that main man, despite being the captain. But as soon as Brendan Rodgers came in and just totally changed his game, the guy just went off in a stratosphere. It was absolutely amazing to
0: see what he could do. Important notes along the way here are that, one, that season where he came in at first and lost his place, and a lot of people will point to that, him losing his place in his first season as the reason Celtic won that title race, the famous title race of 07-08, because of, as you mentioned, the Hartley and Robson combination. But it was round about that time he, he suffered you know just the most unimaginable of personal tragedies. That's when his sister yeah. died. So that, mm. uh, there was a, a lot at play for him and it's a testament to his, you know, his, his strength that he bounced back from that. Not only that, but nine years ago now, Nine years ago, I think it was 2012, that he was diagnosed with a degenerative hip injury as well. So the the fact that he's playing in his mid-30s at all, again, points to the willpower, the strength and the drive of the guy to, to still be not only playing, but even in a debate as to whether he warrants a new contract at you know, the biggest club in the country. So a lot of ups and downs in Scott Brown's Celtic career. But you're absolutely right. Once Brendan Rodgers came in, and it's... It's it's all out there. The stuff Brendan Rogers often says <laughs> he'd love to take sole we credit. We him off in this podcast, didn't we? Oh, a hundred percent. I would have been perfectly mm. happy for Brown to go after Dyla because I don't think he played particularly well under Dyla. He was maybe involved a wee bit with the kind of general undermining of Ronnie Dyler. Now, yep. it, it was later. It turned out that I think we all accept that Ronnie Dyler wasn't the right man for the job anyway. But there was the sort of wee group of players that just didn't take to him, Scott Brown wasn't the main one of those, it was kind of Charlie Grew, Chris Commons, but Brown was an influential figure in there as well and probably didn't do his job necessarily as a senior player to mm. help with the dialog situation, Right. So, so there was that but after Rodgers, completely different as I say, Rodgers would probably quite happily take sole credit for Scott Brown's career <laughs> He's quite, he quite likes that in, in interviews, but That's the problem with Brendan Rodgers isn't it, because you read these great quotes and you think, is this all just like a lot of flannel <laughs> is it, how much of this is actually true? How I much know. am I reading here is true? Well, even if... Do you know what? Even if it isn't true, it's one of those proof-in-the-pudding sort of things. Scott mm. Brown's performances after Rodgers came to the club were night and day. He was absolutely un- incredible from that point on. His style of play changed. His lifestyle changed hugely. Remember the previous season was the one where it would lost in the semi-final to Rangers and there was run about the time where he was, oh, the famous picture of him eating a kebab in the street and all that kind of thing. Yeah. After that point, totally turned it around and he was Mr. Professional. From that point on, he was captain, leader, legend, all that kind of stuff. That totally changed his career. Whether Rodgers did it you know, single-handedly doesn't really matter because the fact is he was. He, he did because Brown had to do it himself. Didn't well, him? yeah, that, but that's what I mean. It's like the, the fact is it did happen. He took on that mantle, became a more professional player and a much, much better player as a result.
1: I mean, Brendan Rodgers does take a lot of credit. He gave Scott Brown that ultimatum, that famous story about inviting Scott down to the house and telling him what he expected from him and how he could be the best player he could be and tactically how he wanted to change his game. And even Brendan Rodgers said that prior to joining Celtic, he was told that if he wants to play the way he wants to play, then he'd have to move Scott Brown on. So I think you're right. I think you're right, Manny. I think Scott Brown really took on that mantle and really bought into what Brendan Rodgers wanted to do and it made Scott Brown the best that he'd ever been what are some of your Scott Brown highlights then
2: well after this there's a few obviously doing the the, the Bruni and all that is all brilliant that goal at Ibrox was amazing but it wasn't a winning game but after when Rodgers comes in like, just won everything absolutely everything he was always the guy in the podium lifting the trophies every time you see Celtic lifting a trophy in the last 10 years Scott Brown is there holding it up and it's incredible that the first season under Rodgers for that change when you thought maybe Scott Brown's on the way out Joey Barton's coming in thinks he's the big dog and Scott Brown absolutely bossed him in that 5-1 game absolutely bossed him took the piss out of him and then got the, that famous interview after who said I was just looking to see if he's okay from Scott Brown to be <laughs> brilliant. pretty much. post-match off.
1: interviews were, were, were brilliant some of them were amazing but it's us carry on, so on.
2: For Scott Brown to be written off by people, us included, the season before to come back and captain the team to invincible treble, one of the best seasons ever at Celtic. Then to go on and win four trebles in a row is absolutely incredible. He's he's been amazing and oh what a guy!
1: I think Scott Brown Stevens' best achievement is turning Andy Halliday into a national laughing stock single-handedly. <laughs> <laughs> remember that date? Remember that one where Andy Halliday absolutely lost the aggregate cup final? Was that Melly? Or was it was at the cup semi-final. I'm sure it was a Hamden. He say anything? Aye, Halliday <laughs> lost the rag and they asked Scott Brown what was all that about and he said that in the post-match I think he was just coming over to congratulate
0: me. <laughs> was that the one after which he got he gets cited for not acting in the best interest of Scottish football yeah, or something like that. Remember sort of that push? Like, I, <laughs> I don't think he was ever charged for it. But he was—he was brought up in front of SFA beaks or whatever it was for uh, for not acting no, in I the think best
2: that was interest. The, was that not the one 0 game where they absolutely ro- lost a rag? Well, was it right? The, aye, the picture you... of Kent punching him and all that. Oh, and... it was.
0: Oh. You're absolutely right. It was definitely that one. I knew it was one of the many times he'd bammed up, <laughs> bammed up the bells. But aye, <laughs> that—that was—that was great. A personal highlight. For me, is the I, and I don't think anything could be there, there are many, there are many, many highlights, right? But I don't think anything could be more literally Scott Brown than his goal against Beersheba a few seasons ago in the, the qualifiers when Celtic were in serious bother in that game, yeah. serious bother. I, I watched that in Amsterdam, and ironically, I was far from chilled out. And during that game, so <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was pretty stressed out of that game because it was it looked as if it was going to be out of Celtic's grasp at one point. But Scott Brown scored a huge goal. Even the manner of the scoring of the goal was very, very Scott Brown. If you remember, he came through and sclaffed it, scoffed it wildly into the defence with his left foot, but still found a way to get the ball over the line. Celtic were in deep trouble, and once again, Scott Brown dragged them out of it by smashing home the ball at the second attempt, and I just thought... Looking back on it, because I was watching a few of his goals today, I thought that there's nothing more Scott Brown than that goal. Just when
2: you're saying that, Stephen, even just one, one highlight popped into mind was last season. Remember the game against Hamilton where it was, they scored a yes, goal and injury yeah. time to make it one each? It was a couple mm. of days before the cup final. Scott Brown goes up the pitch and finishes, puts his ahead in the league, gives us that... Gives us that energy going into the cup final because that would have been points dropped. I think Rangers were dropping points that night as well. So to get that last minute goal, captain pulls you through then. I don't think if he'd have scored that goal, maybe, but it's unlikely we'd have done the cup final at the weekend because that gave us the belief going into that. That's just the k- kind of character he was, man. Goal at Rugby oh, he Park? Still, he's, not
1: dead. You, so. can, he's not dead. He can offer you <laughs> the goal at Rugby Park and the red, the oh, yes.
0: red card? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. In that... Uh, Luminous strip thing that was wasn't the most popular of things, but I've got fond memories of it for for mm. those reasons. I yeah, that's that a strip. great one. Yeah, me too. That was a it was a slow burner. that we, one we
1: can't we can talk about Scott Brown here without mentioning the Bruni. One iconic. Yeah. Two. What a finish! Oh what yeah, I finish oh, that was. He had a couple of
0: that. He had a couple of that. Couple of that yeah, that's right. I I've, again, I've I've come to this having just freshly watched one of these YouTube compilations of his goals over terrible terrible free music. In these <laughs> compilations, right? <laughs> but there was a couple of that. A couple where he just cut in and bent it in with his left foot, which he would normally be just used for standing. So yeah, uh, he had he had that in his locker. I I have to admit I have an uneasy relationship with the Bruni because it, it holds trauma with me as well. Because unfortunately the end of that season resulted in doing it holding the trophy right so it's difficult for me to separate the two because I think of that and I I just get this horrible horrible sinking feeling in my stomach when I imagine how it turned out that doesn't take away from the fact that it was brilliant at the time and one of the most iconic moments of the 21st century for Celtic 100%
1: you've absolutely nailed it they're absolutely iconic and just all the stuff that. but anytime someone has come up against Scott Brown right Anytime anyone does anything Other than talking on the football pitch Against Scott Brown They come off second best It's all the time that every single time someone has tried something, they've come off second best against him, And he's been a, an absolutely brilliant Celtic captain. Is Callum McGregor merely the natural successor?
2: In the squad night right now, yeah, you'd say so. You think he's possibly one that's going to be in there next year. He's came up for the ranks as well. I know it's not everything, but yeah, I think so. I think Christopher I could have been in with a shout if he's uh, going to be there next season, but that looks unlikely. I think Callum McGregor's the natural.
0: And, and as far as him going... At this moment, yeah, there's there's a lot to celebrate. It's a time for celebration and looking back mm-hmm. on his career and all that. But I still can't help but feel it is the right time to go because it's kind of what we said all along. We all sat here at the start of this season and said it's probably Logo's last season, it's probably Lennon's last season because it would be a great chance to go away having sealed the 10 in a row. And it's probably Scott Brown's last season as well. So really, what's changed other than Celtic not having won the league? Yeah, we could talk about him overseeing the transition from one era to the next. But unfortunately, you don't really get to pick your point of continuity. The disaster that everyone's worried about, we're already in. We're already deep in the middle of the the biggest disaster I can remember. So that's already happened. Yet we hope, right? I say this with my fingers crossed here. There's no guarantees that Celtic will be in any better position at the end of next season than they are now, right? There's no guarantees. We all hope they will. We all expect they will. So the only thing that's guaranteed in that is that Scott Brown will be a poorer player this time next year than he is today. So I can't help but feel that it's the right time. It's a good opportunity for him. But all that's left to say on it is thanks for the memories because of what a ride it's been for what was that? Oh, un- 14 years or something like that.
1: Yeah, 14 years. Ten Unreal. league titles, six Scottish Cups, six league cups, potentially another Scottish Cup if we can seal this season off on any sort of high. So before we move on to talk about the next match and an opportunity for Scott Brown to finish in a high, any last words, Melly?
2: Mm, Scott Brown, legend, leader, good player. <laughs> I'm, so- <laughs> oh, I'm nearly crying. Oh, oh, that was beautiful. Oh my, oh, that is so
1: beautiful. <laughs> we should. Then we don't normally do t-shirts. In fact, that, that <laughs> doesn't he? But do you know what? That would be to t- to put that on a t-shirt. Stephen would cheapen that. We need yeah. to get that on a a memorial bench somewhere
0: on his his statue his inevitable statue outside Celtic Park we need a campaign for that to be written at his feet forever doing the brunie what was
1: that melly legend leader good player (laughs) for a professional podcaster and that's what you are your way with words is unbelievable (laughs) So anyway, the Scottish Cup is, uh, is resuming this weekend. Celtic have got a match. We didn't rehearse that. Melly actually, dear listener, Melly actually asked us, can we say any more final thoughts on Scott <laughs> Brown because he wanted to say that. He's got it written down um, in his best handwriting. <laughs> uh, Celtic v Falkirk, first question. Why are we playing Falkirk at half past seven oh, on a Jesus. Saturday evening? I know. The hits keep on coming I know coming we're all locked the in the house and I know time doesn't matter anymore, but that's absurd.
0: I know. That's probably the second worst kick-off time of the season. Was there, one, no, there was one on a Sunday night, wasn't there, quite recently?
1: It was Ross County, Stephen, a bad omen when we lost Ooh. to Ross County in the League Cup. Another evening kick-off at yeah. Celtic Park, if I, remember, if I remember correctly. I think this, the Scottish Cup being resumed, obviously, Celtic to end the season on a high. It's a chance for Scott Brown to end his career with another bit of silverware. Um, John Kennedy, unbeaten. As Celtic interim manager, we're not really expecting too much in the way of a challenge from Falkirk, are we, Milly?
2: No, they're a decent team for their level, but they are in League One. They are top of the league by six points. And look, their the league's only recently resumed. They've played two league games and a Scottish Cup game. So they've only played three games since January, I think. They've won all three, to be fair, so they're in decent form. But Celtic should be taking good care of them here. Well, not good care. They should beat them quite handily. <laughs> the opposite. And as you say... It, it, Look, the Scottish Cup was maybe something I'm thinking, oh, can he really be bothered with it? With the announcement from Scott Brown, I really want Celtic to win a trophy and I want Scott Brown to win a last trophy at Celtic Park because he deserves to be lifting that trophy just before he heads off.
0: That's one thing we maybe didn't mention in our gushing tribute to Scott Brown a minute ago is that it, it's sad to see him go out not in front of the fans. Oh, he'll get a chance to yeah. play at Celtic Park again, presumably with Aberdeen. Well, unless he comes back and we just boom. Uh, but he will get the opportunity to see the fans once again. It's just a shame he didn't get to go out with a fairy tale ending that this season promised. But with the opportunity to win the Scottish Cup, that is something, at least, that is something that Scott Brown can hopefully sign his Celtic career off with. Funnily enough, the last time we've played Falkirk was 2012 and Scott Brown scored a penalty. Do you remember that season where mm-hmm. he scored six goals and uh, a few of them were, he was on the pens for, for a wee bit. I have memories of having seen Falkirk... Back in the day at Brockville, when they still played at Brockville, mm-hmm. worst pitch in Scotland, it was like a, this Sandy effort. I only ask who I was there with, but I, I seem to remember Chris Waddle playing because he was at Falkirk very briefly in the yeah. kind of the mid 90s, I think it he was. was. Yeah, a, I'm sure I saw Chris Waddle play at Brockville, but a long time ago, they had uh, this hideous, like, checked shirt as well. It was kind of like grey and black or something like that, horrible looking thing. So, great memories of taking on the mighty Falkirk.
1: It's good to be back to the serious business of football. You know, we're not giving Celtic a free pass. The league is over. Aye, League Cup is over. Yep, you're out of that. But this is an opportunity. Um under uh under new circumstances when you're lending out of the way to at least one last chance, Celtic, <laughs> to show us that you have not completely checked out of this competition this season. You're not all just waiting to the end of the season this competition has been more or less sprung on us we weren't sure up until very recently whether it was going to go ahead it is going ahead we've got Falkirk the Champions Rangers i have got Cove Rangers I find it <laughs> I we going to say something else there <laughs> oh.
0: Rangers have got Cove Rangers <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: no if they were testing themselves properly we'd know if had COVID but they obviously don't do that testing um, did I say that a Um I think it's inconceivable that we're not going to meet them in this tournament mm. I just think it's inconceivable that we're not going to meet Rangers in this tournament the way things are stacked up so we kind of let them get a double we kind of let them go invincible every game presents an opportunity to make us feel better about this season Celtic and, and that's really what we need you to do
0: you're saying this cup is made up of a load of cup finals four or five cup finals until we get to the cup final I absolutely Quebec. agree
1: yeah and on that bombshell I think that's where we will wrap up Stephen would you like to say goodbye yes cheers folks goodbye Melly goodbye and it's goodbye for me thank you for listening.